Mark chapter number 5. My 10-year-old son that's with me, he said, uh, don't embarrass me, just preach. And so that's what I'm going to do. And so we look forward to the Word of God this morning. It's a privilege to be here, uh, to know that uh, years that um, I was influenced by many of the men that were here, and such a blessing to now come back and be a part of this uh, school to be able to preach the Word of God. I appreciate the opportunity, the uh, invite, and don't take it lightly. And so let's take the Word of God and turn to Mark chapter number 5, and we'll begin reading in verse number 21. The Word of God says this, and when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh un, uh, unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live and Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And, certain, and a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse, when she had heard of Jesus, came into the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, If I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole." Straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing that was done in her, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. While he yet spake, there came from a ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest the master any further? And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. Shall we pray? Lord, I thank you so much for the truth of the word of God that we've read this morning. I pray as we look into the word of God that it would be a help to us that we would gain some truths and glean some truths from the word of God this morning that we can take with us that would last a lifetime. We thank you for the privilege we do have to open the word of God and share the truth therein. We pray now that you bless now the reading of your word and the preaching of it, for it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> you know, Mark chapter 5 is an amazing chapter. You finish actually chapter 4 with the disciples doubting Jesus and what the Lord had said to them, and he rebukes them for it. And then you start in chapter 5, and we see a man that is controlled by an unclean spirit, a man without any hope, a man that was crying for help, but didn't find that help until he found Jesus, that is. Notice, if you will, in chapter 5 and verse 15, it says, And they came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting in clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. I noticed the word was and the word had because this man was possessed. But when he saw Jesus, all of that changed. Because in verse number 6, the Word of God says this, But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. You know, you can get stuck worrying about the problem, or you can just find the problem solver in Jesus Christ. 
This man was healed and began to tell others about Jesus Christ and what he had done for him. And then you come to our text that we read this morning about a man by the name of Jairus, is how I pronounce it, but you may pronounce it differently. But this man has a daughter that's very sick and at the point to death. Notice he's very distraught about this. Look at what it says in verse 23. And he besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death, and I pray thee, come, lay hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. We see a man of great faith, and a man that has a desire for his daughter to be healed. Then we see in verse 24 that Jesus begins to go with him. And it says that Jesus went with him, and much people followed him, and thronged him. But while he's on the way to see this daughter of this man because of what he's asked him to do it, many people followed and in the middle of this crowd there is a woman with an issue of blood, a problem that she's had 12 years and I know that many of you probably have heard this story many, many of times and a problem that she's tried to fix and uh, couldn't find any hope in but uh, think about a message you could preach right then and there and just stop and there's many messages that we could preach out of all these passages. But she just had to get close enough to Jesus to touch his garment. A woman of faith as well and when she touched his garment she was made clean and the disciples, uh, uh, after he says, who touched me? The disciples say to him, I mean, Master, uh, uh, there's a lot of people here. What do you mean, who touched you? This, this uh, person, there's many that are doing it. But the Bible says in verse 33, But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. I want you to notice that this isn't going to be the message this morning, but he calls her daughter. Don't miss this truth that this woman was changed from the inside out. Here's a woman that is completely changed, and it's her faith that does that. She was healed of the issue of blood physically, but also healed by his blood spiritually. But if you remember in our text, where is the Lord going? The Lord is going to heal or to see a young uh, a girl, uh, Jairus' daughter, and he's on his way to see this very sick girl. And while he is going, uh, and while he's telling this woman some very great news, someone else comes and tells him some very bad news. And notice what it says in verse number five, 35, I'm sorry. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest the master any further? And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. You see, when this man has his ruler come to his house or the, the servant come to his from his house and says, Hey, uh, uh, why trouble the master any further? Your daughter is dead. There's really nothing else that can be done at this time. But the Jesus has to speak up and he has to say something. And he says a five-worded sermon, really, that you and I should never forget. Be not afraid, only believe. You see, this man had asked the Lord for help, 
And yet when he didn't come in a certain time frame, when he didn't come when it was most convenient, when he didn't come when it was most expedient, many times the response is this, why trouble the master any further? And you know, in times in our life, we will face difficulties, we will face issues, and maybe that question will come in your life, why trouble is the master any further? It's too late, Lord. It's too late. I mean, Lord, if you would have come, it's been three days, though. It's been a long time in my life, and I, I don't see something happening. And the Lord's response was, be not afraid, only believe. My question to you is this, or I want you to see this this, evening, or this morning. Look in verse 35 at the end of it. Why troublest the master any further? What's the punctuation there? It's a question mark. We'll see if this will stay. Probably not. But what's the question? What's the, what's the punctuation at the end of verse 36? Be not afraid. Only believe. It's a period. And you know, when you think about that, where man puts a question mark, the Lord puts a period. The Lord says to the disciples, notice chapter 4, verse 35. And the same day when even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over to the other side. What's the punctuation? Period. Look at what it says in verse 38. And when he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him, and saith unto the master, Master, carest thou not that we perish? What's the punctuation? You see, the Lord had already settled that he's going to the other side with a period, and the disciples now are going to come back and bring a question mark. And you know what, I think that in our Christian lives many times, that there's times where we will face difficulties. There's times even in college that you may say, well, Lord, you brought me here, and I thought you wanted me here. I thought you had a purpose for my life. But all of a sudden, man, all these question marks start to come in your life. And the Lord has already settled it with a period. And when trials and troubles come your way, often you will get a bunch of question marks that come in the, in the, in the way. The Lord says to his disciples, let's pass to the other side. And yet, they come back with, Master, carest thou not that we perish? The Lord, I believe, is trying to teach his disciples in Mark chapter 5 some very important lessons that we need to learn as well. He's trying to teach them many different things. I want you to see, uh, here's the first lesson. Look at what it says in verse number 12 of chapter 5. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. I see the first lesson is even devils like bacon. No, just joking. Some of you will get that later. But you may be a student in this room that is about to graduate this year. You may be going to start a church, or maybe God has called you to be a missionary, and maybe you're going to go on deputation, and maybe you're going to go and serve in a ministry or whatever it is. You know what God has called you to do. You know where he wants you to go. And then along the way, Jesus is going along with you. You graduate and you're excited about what God has for you. And he's going along with you. And all of a sudden, somebody else comes in the way or something else comes in the way. And it seems like the Lord starts to help everyone else. 
And it seems like the Lord is doing something great in everyone else's ministry, but he kind of just takes his hand off of yours for just a moment. And maybe that's what's taking place. And, and you, you begin to question what God has already called you to do. Well, when God calls you to do it something, he already settles it with a period. And you shouldn't put a question mark where God has already placed a period in your life. You come to the Lord, he gives you peace of mind that he's going to go. I mean, could you think of Jairus' thoughts when, and Jesus went with him and maybe a smile on his face that he's excited that Jesus is going to come to his house because he knows that Jesus has the power. He knows that Jesus has the ability to do something great. But then all of a sudden, a bunch of other people get in the way. The situation seems as if there's no hope in sight. That uh, why trouble us the master any further? I mean, the, the situation is now hopeless and he has to calm his fears. He has to calm the situation down by saying this, be not afraid, only believe. But I want to point out this morning that there's something that the multitudes missed. There's something that the mourners missed. And it's this, that don't miss the miracles of God in your life because of unbelief. You see, he went and he went and the multitudes didn't get to see it. The mourners didn't get to see it because when he heals this daughter, when he heals this girl, he, uh, he ushers them all out and just the parents and those who were with him, his disciples, got to see God do some amazing things. I want to remind us this morning of the one who said, be not afraid, only believe Three lessons learned that when you, when you will be not afraid and when you only believe God. Three lessons that you can learn. Number one, that he's a God that's concerned for just one. The Lord went over and healed this maniac, did he not? The Lord healed the woman with the issue of blood. The Lord healed this girl eventually at the end of the passage in chapter number 5. You will see that he heals her. And the Bible says in verse number uh, 42, And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of age, uh, age of 12 years. And they were astonished with great astonishment. They were like wowed at what had taken place. You know, I think of John chapter 4 when Jesus comes to a Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. I think of the times when Jesus healed a blind man and healed a leper and healed many people and he was concerned for just one. And oftentimes in our life we'll think God is doing something for someone else, but maybe you feel forgotten. Maybe you feel that he doesn't care about you, but the Lord is concerned for just you. The Lord is concerned for just me. I remember when I was in Bible college here in my first year of school, I remember going to, uh, you know, some issues and stuff like that had taken place and, and uh, I didn't have a job that I thought I would get when I got here. And, and I remember going to, I think it was Stater Brothers, to pull out my last 20 bucks out of the, out of the bank. Anybody been there? I think all of us have probably been there at one point or another. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to pull out my last 20 bucks. And I went in there to try to pull it out and it said insufficient funds. I had already pulled out my last 20 bucks. 
I remember I was on my way up to the finance office to let them know that I wasn't going to be able to make the installment of my bill. And I remember going up there and thinking, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to take place. I don't think that they're going to want me to stay in school if I can't pay my bill. And, and I went up there and I said, okay, I, I just want to let you know I don't have any money, but I'm going to get some this week. Hopefully you can extend it, that type of thing, and, and uh, all of those things. And they said, your bill's current. And I said, what do you mean? I didn't pay anything. Somebody else did for you. And I thought, I walked away from that finance office and I thought, God knows exactly where I'm at. He knows exactly what I need in my life. You see, when God brought me to Bible college, he had already settled it with a period where he wanted me. And if God has already settled it in your life, if God has already told you what he's going to do or showed you what he's going to do, then don't pull a question mark out where God has already settled it with a period in your life. The Lord is concerned just for one. The Lord did many miracles in his ministry, but he also knew who was seeking him. He knew who wanted his presence in their life. The Lord knows if you're in a storm. The Lord knows if... If you're going through a trial or a difficulty, be not afraid, only believe. But second lesson I want you to learn this morning, that God is concerned for even one, but secondly, the Lord is capable to meet my need. Notice in chapter 4 and verse 35, the disciples are... They've already seen God do a lot of amazing things. Jesus Christ has healed people. He's done great and mighty things up to this point. And then the, now, but now they need a miracle. Now they need God to do something in their life. You, you read in the book of Matthew and you can read after miracle, after miracle, after miracle. And there's a storm that arises. And then they go, Master, we perish. Carest thou not that we perish? Now they're saying, I need the miracle. I need you to do something in my life. Well, the Lord is capable to meet your need. You know that he has power over the devils. The issue of blood is no issue with him. He can raise the dead to life. What is in your life that you doubt he can do? What is in your life that even you don't even trouble him anymore? I mean, think about this. Here's a, this, this person that comes to Jesus and comes to his master and says, oh, Master, come here. i got to tell you something. Don't even trouble him anymore. There's no use. It's too late. Your daughter's dead. Why trouble us the master any further? I mean, don't take his time because, I mean, she's already gone. There's no hope. And many times in our life, we'll, we'll think, God doesn't look at my need. God, God doesn't look at my trouble or trial anymore. And maybe we stop bringing it up to him. Maybe we stop showing him what we need in our life. But God is capable to meet my need, my personal need. You notice when he went to where the girl was, notice what he does in verse 37. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he came and he calleth, uh, and he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the tumult and them that wept and wailed greatly. So now they're, they're upset at what has taken place. Verse 39, when he was come in, he saith unto them, why ye make this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when they had put them all out, he 
taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entered into where the damsel was lying. Then he raises her from the dead. You know, but notice he, he ushers all the doubters out. He ushers all the mockers out. He doesn't let them see the miracles. He doesn't let them see what he's about to do. Because if you don't believe that God can do a miracle in your life, you'll probably never see a miracle in your life. If you doubt God and you start bringing up the question marks where he's already put a period in your life, then I guarantee you it's going to be a struggle all through your ministry and all through your life. Be not afraid. Only believe. I remember my first year in college, October the 9th, 2001. I was on my way to work. I'd gotten a job by this time and, and uh, you know, I thought everything's looking up and, and uh, I pull out onto Avenue uh, or, or 40th Street right here, and I get to Avenue K, and there's just something in my mind. I was thinking a lot of different things, and I just reached over, and I grabbed my seatbelt, and I stuck my seatbelt on, and I'd stopped at that stop sign there, and then I started going, thinking it was a four-way stop because I didn't see anybody out of my peripheral. And I remember going through that stop sign, and I got hit by an 18-wheeler. Front of my car was completely demolished. The back of my car was completely demolished. Now, Avenue K, I notice, is a four-way stop. Maybe it was because of my accident. I don't know. But it was, at that point, just a two-way stop, and I got hit by an 18-wheeler. He was going so fast, he was like half a mile down. I think a Brother Weaver came on the scene just shortly after. All the paramedics show up at the scene. There was nothing left of the front of the car, nothing left of the back of the car. I'm the only one in the car. My seat were ripped out completely from the bolts, and all I had was a, a bum knee. The steering wheel had broken and came right down on my knee, and that's all that had hit. So I'm sitting there. All these paramedics arrived. They said, where's the driver of the vehicle? And I said, uh, I'm right here. They said, no, no, the person that was in the vehicle, I, we, I, we need to know who was in this vehicle. I said, it was me. They said, you got to buy a lottery ticket. You're the luckiest man alive. And I remember going back to school. And I'm going back to school and I'm going, man, I had just got a job, God. I had just surrendered my life to you. You see, when I came to school, I didn't want to come to school, but I promised my father that I was going to go just one year. I'll go one year. I kind of left my home, didn't even say goodbye to mom and dad. I didn't even want to, I didn't want to come. They still let me come as a rebel here when I first got here. And I remember sitting in chapel and God broke my heart saying, this is where you need to be. And I went back and I had to get a payphone. You know, you know, everybody's got cell phones. I had to get quarters and go into my dorm, into Heritage Hall, I think it was at that time. And I had to go in there and put the money in the thing and call dad and say, I'm sorry, this is where God wants me to be. And that had happened just before this accident took place on October 9th. But then after that, I'm sitting there going, all these question marks started coming up. And all these question marks, and here God sends a, a guy in my, in, into the dorm, and I'm sitting there on the couch there in, in Heritage, and I think it's not Heritage anymore, it's called something else. It used to be Heritage, right next to the, this place has changed so much, but for, all glory to God for that. But I remember sitting there, and I had all these questions going through my mind, like thinking, okay, well now I can't go to work, and now I'm not going to be able to, I, I, I mean, I've lost everything, and, and, and all this, and here comes a a kid that, I mean, I, I just had something against him, I guess, because his, his school way was paid by his parents. He, he had a car given to him by his parents. He didn't have to work. 
And he comes walking in. He goes, hey, man, what's going on? And I told him, I, I said, uh, just some bad things happened today. And he said, well, hey, there's no problems. God's in it. And I'm thinking, easy for you to say. You got your whole bill paid. You got everything taken care of. And I'm sitting there licking my wounds there on the couch. And he said, you're alive. He said, if God kept you alive, you have a purpose. And I sit there and thought, God had already called me to Bible college. God had to take everything away from me and say, forget about the question marks. I've already placed it as a period. God, God wanted me in my, in my life to stay here. You know, it was, it was God that was doing that. And I thought, man, I, how am I going to make it in life? And I look, at it, I look back at that now and I think God was in it the whole way. And, and he was realized, I had to realize this. You see, when I left, when I went to, to uh, Bible college, I had a, two vehicles, I had a motorcycle, I had money in the bank. And here I am in Bible college, and I have not even enough to pull $20, $20 out. You know what the Lord had to show me? You don't need anything else. You just need me. That's all you need in your life. I remember the first year thinking, what am I going to do now? You know, you go to the book of Acts chapter number 16 and you see Paul and Silas there in prison. And you find them that in their time of need, in their time of where a lot of people would have a lot of question marks, you know what they're doing at midnight? They're singing praises unto God. You want to know why? Because they already knew this, that God is, going to, God is capable to meet our needs. And so beginning to sing, you know, when you would start singing that God would just do something amazing in your life, you know, because when you sing in a time of trouble, it's this saying, God, you've already settled it in my life. You already have a purpose in my life. It was March of 2002, my first year of college still. That when I left school, when I left the house, I had bought a motorcycle, um, on my way to uh, college, or before college, I said, I'm going to wait. And I had bought a motorcycle. I had two cars. And it was all about stuff as an 18-year-old. And I had bought this motorcycle. I went to school. And, I, and I, um, I had to sell the motorcycle. I ended up selling it to my brother. And in March of that year, my brother got drunk running from the cops and was killed on that motorcycle. Now, I remember Dr. Getch called us, me and my family, some of my siblings were here, told us what had happened in that march. And I thought, Lord, what are you doing? More question marks. And I got to go and travel on tour with Gary Winters and Brother Weaver and Mrs. Weaver that year. The first quartet and Adam Langston and Toby England was our piano player. And I mean, you start thinking about all that God has done and you know, at that time, though, you're not thinking about all the things that you have. You know what you're doing? You just got a lot of question marks. But now, 15 years later, you see where God's hand was in it the whole way through. You see, on that singing group year, that year, God did something great in Adam Langston's life and my life as well. The same service. It was a four hour long service at a triple S youth camp. And I mean, it was the. Most amazing service, but the most painful service. You see, we had been taken, I think, to Cracker Barrel beforehand. And they just, hey, eat this food. And I love sweet tea. So I kept drinking sweet tea, sweet tea, sweet tea. I'm sitting there. We're in the front row. 
You don't leave the front row when somebody's preaching. But I had to go. And I remember that night, both Adam Langston and I, right when that amen, we went and surrendered to preach whatever God would have us to do. We got up and we're both in the bathroom and we're going, hey, what did God tell you to do? I said, I surrender, Lord, as long as you let me go. <laughs> that year, did God did an amazing thing that summer, didn't he? Brother Weaver. And I still remember... Even on that tour group, we broke down in Phoenix. We broke down in Phoenix and we scheduled two extra services. We sat 13 hours inside of a, a uh, truck stop waiting for our vehicle to get fixed. It never got fixed and we scheduled two extra services. One was my now aunt service in Cornerstone Baptist Church Sunday night. You know, sometimes you look back at your life and you say, God orchestrates so many different things and you think, I'm, I'm only going through the trials and difficulties, but God all through the way is just leading every step of the way. It was there at that stop, we, scheduled, we got two students to come to school. One, uh, unbeknownst to me, uh, had come with her brother, and that's the one that God ultimately gave as my future wife. And you know, you sit back and look and think, God is concerned just for one. God is capable to meet my need. By the way, October 9th, 2002, one year to the day that I got in my car accident, where all the questions were, I opened a little gift from my future wife, and it was a picture of us from Roundup Sunday, and it said love across the front. Because I had told her two weeks earlier I, had loved, I love her, and she said, that's nice. Usually you hear back, I love you too. But she said, that's nice. But, and of course, then I had a lot more questions. <laughs> I thought we were like, you know, God had orchestrated this whole thing. What's going on? And the question marks came. But she put that on October 9th, one year to the day. And it said the word love. It's still in the exact same frame. The word love. I was a lot skinnier then, by the way said the word love across the front. She said, I do, I love you. You know what? Sometimes it takes a whole year before you see God do something great. Went from a lot of question marks to, God, you're in control. God is capable to meet my need. And the third lesson I want you to see is that God is a God of comfort. Notice in verse number 15 of chapter 5. When they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. He was in his right mind. He wanted to stay with Jesus. Jairus was with him. I mean, with Jesus Christ. What a comfort. But then a news came of his daughter and he says, be not afraid. The Lord had never left his side. He tells the woman in chapter 5 to go in peace. The Lord is trying to teach his disciples and all of us that are in this auditorium this morning, be not afraid, only believe I am a God that's capable to meet your need. I am a God that's concerned just for you. And I'm also a God that is a God of comfort. The Lord is still there even if you feel that He's not helping or He's not seeing your need because He cares for you. 
1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. My God is capable to meet my need. Are you surprised this morning that nothing comes by surprise to the Lord? That everything in your life and everything in my life that happens, God has a purpose and God has a plan. What a comfort to know that God can calm our fears. Notice again in verse 42. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of age of twelve, and they were astonished with great astonishment. Have you been astonished at what God has done in your life lately? If you're not astonished, maybe because you stopped believing. Look over at chapter 6 and verse number 5. And he could there do more, do no mighty work, save he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of what? Their unbelief. And he went around the villages teaching. You know, maybe God's not doing something great and miraculous in our life because we have failed to believe him. In closing, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter number 9. Matthew chapter number 9. Look at what the Word of God says in verse number 28. Let's look at verse 27 to start. Matthew 9, 27. When Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus saith unto him, Believe ye that I am able to do this? And they said unto him, Yea, Lord. And he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. Notice the punctuation. Believe ye that I am able to do this? What's the punctuation? They said unto him, Yea, Lord. What's the punctuation? Jesus comes to our life and He says, Do you believe I'm able? Do you believe I'm able to do this? You may be here this morning and you'd say, Well, the Lord didn't meet my need. He didn't meet what I needed in my life. I, 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 I had a, a person in our church that said, You know, uh, um, there's so many things going on in my life and I needed this truth. When I preached this message out of Matthew chapter number eight, when I, or, or chapter nine, when I was talking about your this, what is your this? Everyone has a this. We want God to do this for us. Whatever it is, do you believe that I am able? Question mark. Yea, Lord, period. Believe ye? You know, a lot of times, I know my reaction sometimes in life is this. I believe but, I believe, but if, if God would just show something, no, yea, Lord, period. And he says, according to your faith, be it unto you. Be not afraid, only believe. Just stop right there. What is your this? Do you believe that God can take care of anything in your life? Do you believe that God can help you out of any situation in your life? You may be in here and at times you may have felt, you know, this is going to be my last year. This is going to be my last semester. I can't keep doing this. If God has already settled what he wants you to do with a period, don't bring up the questions. Just believe God that he is able to do this. 
You know, it's a whole lot easier for a question or a period than a question mark, right? Let's just believe God that he can do the abundantly above all that we could ask or think.